I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 186 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. Thank you very much for to Eugene McNulty for coming on last week to talk about, um, well, DCU, but also about uh, English literature and also the theatre and why it's important, uh, why the theatre is important for communities and all these kind of things. So go and listen to that if you haven't already. We're on uh, Buy Me a Coffee if you want to support us. Link is always in the description there. Anyway, let's get on this week. Our guest is an adult entertainer and uh, she is Bianca. How are you doing, Bianca? Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm very well. I, I've, you're the third person. I was thinking about this today. You're the third person that has only one name in their in their kind of uh, description. Yeah. And we had, I was thinking about the other two, and we had one, a guy called Asbestos, and he's an artist. But he, so he doesn't like people knowing who he is. So mm-hmm. it just reminded me of it. He wore a, a mirrored box on his head. So when I was talking to him, I could see the screen, the computer screen reflecting off the mirror box. It was kind of a strange situation, but it was a really good chat. Um, also, if you hear gunshots out there, don't worry. There's there's just a guy who just shoots at uh, uh, birds that fly around his house. I don't know. I get cats in here, but that's <laughs> well, less dangerous, uh, thankfully. How many cats have you got in the room? I have two. Are they your cats or just like the house cats? They're my cats. <laughs> oh, very nice. Could I ask you actually before we start, because we always ask the same questions. Yeah. Um, what, like, I had Claire Griffin on a few weeks ago, and you you know Claire um, from town. Um, tattoos. What do you think your tattoos kind of say about you, do you think? Um, you see, I guess for most people, they expect meanings on tattoos mm-hmm. and I was never really about that. Obviously, I have a few that mean something important to me. But I feel like I like to get on my body what I enjoy seeing in life. So art, kind of horror movies and all that stuff. So when I see nice arts and stuff, I love to have that on my body because, you know, it's going to last forever. And then I look at it every day. So and also it looks really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's, the reason I ask is somebody asked me about your tattoos, you know, because they're kind of. I guessed horror films. I'm a big love horror yeah. films. So I was kind of guessing that that's where they come from. But this person didn't really know. And they were saying, like, who's the person on the arm and all this kind of stuff. And I was mm-hmm. going, trying to answer the questions without getting a chance to actually ask the person who has the tattoos on yeah. them. But now I know that they're a reflection of what you're into. That, and that's what it should be, I suppose. Yeah, that's what it is for me, really. You know, I think so. So the questions we always start with. Um, Bianca, could you give us a short history of your upbringing, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was born in Brazil uh, with really nice, supportive parents. When I was finishing school, then my mom obviously was already living in Ireland. And my stepfather is Irish as well. So when I I tried to finish school in Brazil first before moving in here, and then I moved to Ireland when I was around 17, I believe, 16, 17. So I've been here for around 15 years, I guess. That's why. Really good childhood, like a healthy one, no traumas, no nothing. Perfect. But like you can hear in your accent slight bits of, of you know, the town uh, kind of coming through. Like, you know, yeah. like, because I had to ask you, um, I think like when you, when, you know, Brazilian people come over. I think the the accent you can kind of pick the accent, but I couldn't quite pick yours. Yeah, see, I'm ha- my biological father's side is Italian, so I have a bit of Italian in me as well. That might have been it. I wonder. That could have been be, it. Could be a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. But we don't know. Anyways, we've put it to rest. Um, Bianca, when did you first become aware of mental health? Um. <laughs> See, that's tricky because I feel like mental health was always part of my life because obviously with me transitioning so early, uh, mental health is always something that the doctors will put in first. Mm-hmm. So it was something that I was aware for many years because I have to grow up understanding about my own mental health and understanding who I am and the way I'm growing up and the things are changing in my life. So mental health was always part of me. So that's why I'm always so comfortable to talk about it. Yeah, and that that's kind of kind of lead on to what I wanted to to ask you about first, I suppose, because there is, uh, I can only imagine, a big part of 
as you were growing up, that mental health is is a huge thing. And yeah. I spoke to you um, a few weeks ago about you coming on and you kind of gave me a really interesting answer. And it was, I didn't want to identify you. I put inverted commas around that yeah. uh, in, in the sense, like, I guess that everybody has to be put in their little box, you know, and you said that you don't really like it. Why, why is that? No, I don't know. I feel like when people ask me, about how they can identify me. It's like, I feel like I worked hard enough to look the way I look today. Mm-hmm. I had to, I had my own little fights in my head to look the way I look today. Spent a lot of money to look the way I look today. So when people ask me what they should identify me as, I feel like it's a little bit, it's not an insult. I feel yeah. like, because obviously in this generation, I understand People wanted to identify themselves as different things, you know, whatever people feel like. It's not my issue to be talking about. But I feel like I have that image of a person that looks like a woman. Mm-hmm. So that's how I prefer to be identified as, I guess. But I feel like the identification question, it's a bit, you know, I don't know. I feel like we look a certain way that we shouldn't really be asked about how we identify ourselves if you get it i don't know yeah. if i can play myself in a, in a good way no no i understand that totally and I, I like that is the the point of like you mentioned your generation now and they they might like identify differently yeah. and if we're looking at like the generation beyond me we'll say so someone it's people in their 50s and there might be a certain sense of not wanting to um insult the person so they feel that they have to get the identity right and the identity to them in their head it doesn't really matter like um man woman whatever it is they don't want to upset the person i suppose that they're talking to and and they they feel that they should you know nail it down and i i I can kind of get that as well now i'm a little bit obviously i'm not in my 50s but and i can understand like being on the side but when i asked you obviously I still had that idea in my brain that I didn't want you to upset you by saying mm. oh Bianca is this or that or, or anything yeah. else you know yeah so I think I think we've cleared that up yeah I, I feel like there's a big you know it's it's very I feel like it's something that I'd easily be cancelled for myself for talking about in those things because obviously people expect me to have a more I guess, open mind about these kind of things. But I have a very particular opinion about all that and that sometimes I just kind of better stay quiet, I guess. No, and that that's absolutely fine because you made your point about yourself, you know, and that's that's what it sounded. And I think everybody should be, um, you know, willing to to understand that. And, that, and that's what it kind of comes down to. But you, you mentioned about when you were growing up and when you were, you started transitioning quite young. Like, how young were you? So, um, See, the, the first person that actually saw everything was my mom. Because hmm. obviously in Brazil, for you to be transgender, it is a very bad thing, I guess. Not not as much now, but when I was young, for me, transgender women, transgender people in general are bad people. Or let's say prostitutes. Obviously back in the day, I was, I was like thinking that prostitutes were bad people. Mm-hmm. But trans women were only related to prostitutes and dangerous people. So for me to realize at that time, and my mom to realize at that time that I was trans, it was something that we knew, but we didn't want to say it because mm-hmm. I didn't want to believe in it myself because I didn't want to be. Like for me, it was something wrong. And for my family in general, it was something wrong as well. But my mom, then she kind of knew how to direct me in the in the right direction, let's say. She knew how to make me feel good about it. So when I was about 14, 15, then I started to kind of change my style, experiment with going different places and meeting new people. But I was very innocent back then. I feel like I could have done better at that time as well, understanding things. But I feel like, yeah. I started really young and then, but I was an innocent young person. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I, because I, I would have, you know, uh, met you a few years back in, in stuff. Met you's a bit like, you know, we, we would have come, come across each other. You were working in town at the, at the time. And you've always struck me as someone who's very confident. Would you mm-hmm. say that? Would you say that's a, a fair assessment? 
I am very confident. Obviously, I could be more confident sometimes, mm-hmm. but I am very confident. I always felt that way. I always felt that like um, you, because uh, confidence can come across in different ways. I think I think some people's confidence comes out of their mouth, you know, and they can they can kind of put it across. But I, I think a lot of people's confidence can be seen. You don't have to be a, a body language expert to see the way people, someone's holding themselves or the way they walk and things like that. And that's what I always felt about you, that you were very, you stood very tall and you were very proud of, of who you were, which I think it's, you'll know as well as, as I do and anybody else, I think it's a hard thing to, to be. It is. I feel like it is. And you, you, you think you're, would you agree with my assessment? You've always carried yourself nice, tall and, and confidently. I do, because I feel like it's the only option, it's the only good thing we can do about ourselves. I mean, if we don't, we're just always going to be in that low stage of life. So it might as well, because I mean, at the end of the day, we have nothing to lose. And we are ourselves. We're never going to change. We're only going to have this body. We're only going to have this life once. So we might as well just make the most out of it and be ourselves, I guess. I think that's a very good rallying call. I think I'll start to take on that. I don't think I... I think I'm more of a, I put across the idea of confidence talking more than I do out of the way I carry myself, you know, and I think that's things, things you're always trying to, well, I suppose we're always trying to work on something, aren't we? It's, it's like. But a lot of people take confidence as rudeness as well. <laughs> yeah, there's that kind of the, the, uh, the borderline idea of confidence and arrogance. Mm-hmm. And we've all met the people right in the middle there, I suppose, you know, <laughs> but I don't think. I think I get to a point where I might feel well, maybe I'm being a ar- bit arrogant and then I pull back. And I think, you know, that's a kind of a good, a good way to be. Um, so another thing that uh, before we kind of move on to the next kind of section, I wanted to ask you about that again was about, you know, when you were 14 or 15, mm-hmm. you had your mom, who was, which is amazing, kind of that it was your yeah. mom was the first person to kind of, you know, talk to you about things, issues. So your your mental health must have been kind of greatly upset because um, I, when I talk about my own mental health, it wasn't until I was in my 20s, we'll say, but it was obviously something completely different. It was a depression and things like that. But when you're like a lot of people who will be listening to this can't imagine what you were feeling at the time. Like, how was your mental health uh, then? Um, I wouldn't say it was great. Yeah. Because obviously I had my own internal battles. And at the time, I feel like I didn't I wasn't expressing myself properly to people either. So I was, I had a lot inside of me. I had, mm-hmm. I was hiding a lot at the time. And obviously I have a big family of, on my father's side, they're all like macho men and it's, <laughs> it's very traditional families. So for me to kind of get myself into it, it was very hard because I wanted to say things that obviously they didn't agree on. So I had that very internal. Yeah. Um, bad feelings for many years actually and it was only when I started a proper uh, medical treatment that's when I got to understand about having a therapist and talking to doctors and all that which helped me a lot but I held a lot inside of me for sure which didn't help Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously you know I'm here now (laughs) (laughs) exactly well you know and I know that idea of the private battles you know that that kind of thing, and and they are exceptionally tough because you because you don't even now. I've tried to talk to people before who who have approached me about their own mental health because they know I talk about mine, so it's you know it's fine for them to do that. And you know it's just about talking to someone. It's like therapists are brilliant, and I've gone through a lot of therapy. But sometimes it's just like a, a loved one or or someone you really trust that that that's the person you need to talk to. I think that's mm-hmm. a huge thing we always have to get out. Um, you know, that message out that it's all right to, to chat to people and it will take that weight off. Like if you're angry about something that, that happened at work and you get, you vent to a friend, I do mm-hmm. think that that lifts that anger because they can kind of rationalize a little better than you can. So I just think like, I can't imagine what uh, you went through, but like you said, you're here now and and that's, that's all that matters. Um, I noticed that a, a video or I don't know if you know, saw it last week, a video went around that long of these guys in, in, in town um, protesting uh, transgender people and you know I wasn't in town I was you know out here and I saw it on wherever mm-hmm. it was Instagram but I saw this man in his car did, I, you, did you see that you probably saw, saw this video 
No, I definitely didn't. I saw a few pictures of it, but I kind of ignored it. I was like, whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, all these things are, well, they're in our face, you know, all the time, wherever they're they're thrown up. But there was just some really nice moment of a man in his car, and he might have been in his 50s or something, and he ripped up the, the leaflet that the person handed, and he yeah. said that his cousin had transitioned and that uh, he loved her and was very proud of her. And it was just that moment of, like, I don't know, I don't think enough people, and it doesn't really have to be about transgender rights. It can be about any single thing, but I don't think enough people are like that man where he he didn't like get aggressive or mad or anything like that. He spoke his, his piece and, you know, moved away. But I just thought it was very, um, very nice to see people of that generation, I suppose. I think that's what was kind of moving about. It'd be surprised how the older generations are the ones that respect people the most. That's at least that's why I feel like living, you know, especially the likes of having tattoos. I always get the older people asking me about it. They're, really? they're often. So uh, why? Uh, yeah, that's I didn't I didn't think of that. Like you know, it's immediate. It's it's that's my kind of bias, I suppose. Immediately dismissing the older generation is not understanding anything. But you know, I suppose the tattoos and how. Yours are so well, that's another thing about your t- tattoos. They're so well done as well. So they're literal art on you. And I can see why older people may not have, they might have had the idea of getting a tattoo, but at the time it was probably like the worst thing you could do in your family. You oh, know? Yeah. That's why I hear all the time as well. Yeah. I, like my dad hates tattoos and I still don't have any. And, uh, but my brother's, my brother does. So yeah, he, mm-hmm. he broke the mold. Um, I wanted to ask you about body confidence. Um, because as you spoke about what, you know, what we were talking about already, the idea of being comfortable in your own skin and in front of a camera, um, how did that come about? Was that easy? Um, it was actually something that I never really thought about, to be honest. I was very comfortable in my own skin Mm because as I said, I think we only live once. We only have this body. So we might as well just accept it. Well, I've always loved attention. That's a fact. I always liked attention. So then for me to go on camera, get attention and do what I want to do mm-hmm. and get out of it and meet new people, travel new places, for me, it sounded like a great idea. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. And like you, uh, well, I asked you about like, you know, porn and stuff like that and, and what you do. Yeah. And you said uh, money, sex and uh, attention, uh, the three things you like. And that's what you're getting. And I thought, well, that's about as honest to an answer as anybody's going to give me. I feel like that's the main reason for everybody. But not everybody would say it because let's be honest. I think the majority of people that are on the highlights of cameras and they obviously they have to like some sort of attention, I guess. And you're making money out of the attention. So if you show people that you love getting it, then obviously that's a positive for me. And that that's the thing, you know, we kind of hit the nail on the head there. We all do love attention in certain ways. Yeah. And I think like, I think Instagram in itself, but there's other things as well, but Instagram uh, shows that, that we all, like I take photos here for the podcast and all that. Like, you know, I want people to see it so they'll go and listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a form of attention, obviously with the people I talk to, I- but myself, you know, um, but how did, like, where did the idea of, of, of actually porn come from, though? See, I've always liked it. So mm. when, in my early 20s, I used to do webcam model for a while. It was nothing serious. Again, at the time, I was looking for attention. <laughs> I got the attention there. And then I realized that it's actually a business as well. You know, you can get money from this. And I started from them and obviously after a while I stopped because I was just a silly young person. I didn't really think about the business side out of it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously life happens, new jobs. And then I got into a long-term relationship at the time as well. But it was always in my head. It was just always something that I loved. So I feel like I always felt like I would come back to it eventually. And then I did, of course, in the beginning of the year. And I, I think that that's, I wouldn't say it's like shocking for people anymore because I think it's, it's more, you know, it's not like um, maybe even, a, I was going to say the seventies, but even like back into the nineties where it wasn't as, you know, um, talked about and as open and things like that. And, and probably not uh, as easy a route into it, I guess, you know, and I know what you, the, the, the shoots that you do are 
professional level shoots like because there is other stuff that people do amateur things and they can film they can put them up on their phone and stuff like that so it's it's a professional thing so when when for you then when you are going into these um shoots you obviously you you travel for most of them yeah and then uh do you how does it work with regards i was gonna i was gonna make a joke there i won't make a joke but how does it work regards you you know, me you, knowing the person that you're going to be on camera with or, or the producer or how, how does that come about? Um, so basically, when you get to talk to a person, let's say I meet, I look at your social media and you are an adult work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to message you. Obviously, I'm going to look at your work first, all your social media posts. And then I get to ask other people that they worked with as well sometimes to see if that person is okay to work with. And then we check out their backstory online. So we do like a little bit of a history mm-hmm. check just in case. But normally it's more, when you meet these other creators, it's a mutual like. Yeah. So they're going to like my work. I'm going to like their work. And somehow we're attracted to each other as well. Sometimes that can be an attraction thing too. And then we decided to work together. But then obviously... We're also talking about doing full STI checks. Mm-hmm. So you need doctor certs. You need all your vaccines. You need to be taking all the, preca- the precautions, is that the word? Mm-hmm. For everything. So you, there's also contracts, um, paperwork. There's ID pictures. There's so much behind the scenes that people don't realize there yeah. is. I, I think what's come out in the last maybe 10, 15 years. And I, I read some essays and about this, about the porn industry and listened to some podcasts about the porn industry as well, which are fascinating to, to someone who hasn't been inside it, you know, and who has, I, I didn't realize all of what you're talking about, you know, but I think what's come out in the last 10 years is the element of safety now, which has come about, you know, the idea that, you know, when this wasn't around, what was happening over in, in the state, I'll say the states, but many uh, countries, mm-hmm. that some of the people were, were being abused and they were, there was stuff going on behind the scenes that wasn't consensual. And even though the person felt that they gave their consent, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's great to hear that it's so much more professional now, I suppose, and that you are, those background checks are there, you know. But I mean, accidents are still going to happen. Yeah. You obviously, you know, there's always going to be a bad experience. You're going to work with people that you didn't like to work with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you waste a lot of materials and money sometimes because you travel to work with this company or this person and that person didn't end up to be who you thought they were. Mm-hmm. So, but that will happen. That's kind of like any other job. You know, you're just going into something you're not expecting. Every day can be different. It that's That is true. I When I go in to, to work, and mm. I do jujitsu and sometimes people beat the crap out of me and I'm not happy about it, but that's, you know, you know, and then other times I beat the crap out of them and it's like, that's the way it works. But it you is learn the mistakes. That's yeah, how it works. It, that's exactly how it is. And, you know, uh, that idea of sharing though as well, like that if, if you did have a bad experience and someone asked you about a certain person, you'd at least be able to give your point of view across yeah. and maybe that can be avoided for, for someone else down the line. Um, something you told me the other day about, uh, Editing. So you edit some of your videos, yeah? Yeah, most of them. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this because, right, so I know people who take pictures on Instagram and whatever, and they edit the life out of them, and they put up like, what are they called? Filters. Yeah, that kind of stuff. When you're looking at yourself, is there moments where you're going, oh, that's a terrible angle, or that's a, you know... Oh, do you have to like oh, literally? Okay, so it's it's quite um, a tedious job, then I'd say. Yeah, it is because not only you're having to watch yourself having sex. Yeah, for a lot of people it could be weird. I got you. <laughs> I'm used to it. I don't mind yeah. watching and watching again. But not only have to watch the whole thing again, but then going going through the editing, and then sometimes there's an important scene where you you can't cut it off. Mm. You like you don't look great on it, so that's sometimes you just kind of have to forget about it. And then today, sometimes you don't like yourself on that on that part, but other people will. <laughs> yeah, that that's the hard part, then I suppose, is it? Yeah, because I when I'm I, I don't do it anymore. I used to edit this sometimes, you know, and like even listen back to my own voice, even though I'm used to it now. I didn't like it at the start, and I was like, "Why do I sound this way?" And why does? And I I'd be less concentrating on my um sorry less concentrating on my guest than on myself you know so i'd be thinking about 
I should take it out here or swap this around, swap this around. When it really is about sometimes the, the listener or the viewer that we should be thinking about. Yes, for sure. All the and when, time. When you like, because I, I think about, you know, is there like negative fe- effects to it? Apart from the fact that you've had, you know, maybe you've had experiences like that you uh, didn't enjoy and the person wasn't who they were. Can there be like negative effects to your mental health with it? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Because mm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's your image out there. You know, you're going to get haters. You're going to get people commenting on things that you never thought about thinking before. You know, you're going to get around the person talking about your nose. Yeah. And then in your head, I never thought about my nose. <laughs> yeah. But that person saw something that I never imagined about myself. So you can't, I feel like for you to get in a, in a job where your image is out there, you have to have a really, really good mental health. Because if you don't, if you're not strong up there, there's no way that's going to work. Because I'm not only going to see things you don't want to see, but you're going to listen to a lot of things you don't want to listen about. So, and also, and that's not even talking about judgment from other people as well. Yeah. And that, uh, look, that, that's the other side of it, I suppose. Like, because we talk about, um, negative effects with your mental health and people picking on certain things. And you, like, I know, obviously, I follow you on Instagram. So I could see what you put up and you've obviously be, have to be, uh, censored censor yourself on that like to yeah. what you're going to put up but then you put up the links to the the, the videos if people want to go see the videos but mm-hmm. you know i can imagine that there's always this certain amount of snarky like uh, comments about yourself but also yeah. is there the other side of it where people think uh, like because you do you do what you do that they're you're game for anything that like you know they yeah. can get which is <laughs> yeah okay yeah. but there was there was one that and the reason I brought it up there was one in particular because you you I would say you're not afraid to highlight the the people who maybe overdo it with their enthusiasm. No, I put them out there. I don't care. <laughs> and but it's but that's a good thing because I do think that it's not it's interesting what you said earlier on about like you know prostitution because that is something that people have linked porn with to prostitution before. Yeah, and it it goes to the the mindset of that person that. Because you you're doing what you're doing on screen, that um, well then I'm I'm definitely going to be able to be with her, you know that idea oh, of like you know I'm uh, how could she turn me down kind of a thing. Yeah, people think everything could be there for free. You know, yeah. they I feel like people think we are on this horny craze twenty four seven because we do porn. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> they, they expect you to be talking to them sexually for all day. Yeah. You know. They, we don't have a normal life. You know, I can go, I go out shopping for coffee as well. I have my friends, I have my family. You know, I can have chats with my mom and people be thinking that constantly we are working 24 seven, which is not reality. Yeah. But, you know, I work nine to five and for me it's the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, and like the, the idea that you could be available at, at, at their beck and call is absurd anyway. You know, um, if people want to kind of see what you do, is it, have you got a, like a subscription service or how does it work? And so basically I leave all my links associated to one on my Instagram. Usually mm-hmm. have that talk as well. But I have all my links, let's say Instagram, TikTok. I have a full explicit Twitter page as well where people can see trailers and all that, that from videos, movies, whatever. But mainly Instagram, but it is a subscription rate. So I think with OnlyFans, it's subscription only. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you pay monthly or you pay, let's say, a one month off, whatever people feel like it. And then I have the likes of Pornhub and then other web platforms where people can buy separate content. If they don't want to buy a whole subscription, you can buy just one movie or two, mm-hmm. whatever. So. It- with with the uh, Pornhub, because that's another thing that's been in discussion with the porn industry, that there was a worry that Pornhub, uh, Pornhub was going to ruin the idea of paid porn, that people wouldn't have to pay for it anymore because it's all up there in clips and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, with you going on por- Pornhub, is is that like, because I, I, I'm not going to say I have never been on Pornhub. That would be a damn right lie. But <laughs> is there a subscription part of Pornhub and then there's just a regular where you can just go in and look at clips? So basically, Pornhub changed. Uh, okay. I think a few years ago. Now it's, you have to be verified models to upload on Pornhub because of the whole issues with 
to know human trafficking and all that here mm. but it came out about porn websites so you have to be a verified model for Pornhub. Not only you, but the people you're working with on the videos, you also have to make sure you have paperwork for them. But Pornhub, you can subscribe as well to models. You can pay them separately for that. Oh. But with Pornhub, for me, it works more like a, a promotional platform. So I can upload some free content in there. But obviously, I'm only showing you a little bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That I have. So I can upload a few free videos in there, but in expectation that I'm bringing those people back to my paid pages. So for someone who said you weren't great at business, you've, you're a, a businesswoman now, like through and yeah. through. Yeah, and I thought it was easy. And you know, when I started this, I thought it was easy because you know, when you hear girls saying, oh, I'd love to open an OnlyFans, I'm going to post mm. features and I'm going to make a lot of money. It not like that i thought it was like that but it's not like that is it very difficult to do it's very difficult and uh, why do you think they make it so difficult? you think as a business in itself they try to make it as easy as possible or is it more to do with the fact that they have to be very careful who is obviously opening pages on it i think it's a bit of everything yeah not only they're going to make it a bit hard because they want to make it safe and they're right and then you're thinking about you know you need to pay they also take their percentage. So you're losing a lot of money, but obviously you're using the platform. So you have to pay them somehow. But you're losing that money. You have to think about your taxes as well. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Everything is taxed. So people be saying that sex workers don't pay tax, but they all do. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing. People do forget um, with things like... Uh, you know, putting when you put your stuff up there on OnlyFans, for instance, they forget that you actually have to pay the money to OnlyFans as well. It's that. It's the whole thing of like, like people don't imagine that I have to pay Zoom, but if I have more than two people on, or yeah, more than two people on, I have to, I have a, a subscription membership. So there's yeah. there's always something like the, these Zoom didn't just set set up for free so that we could all just chat to each other. You know, oh, yeah. there, there's there's loopholes in everything, and we need to be kind of aware of it. Okay. No, I don't think there's anything free out there that people be thinking that we get it out for. No, there's there's nothing for free anymore. Um, so what's then the end goal for for this? Is it like, are you happy with what you're doing at the moment, or is there as you're always constantly thinking about the next kind of step? Um, well, what I'm doing now at the moment, I'm really happy. Okay, I'm what I love to do. I'm doing what I've always loved. I wish to be doing as well, which is great. But I'm always thinking ahead. I'm always trying to go bigger. Mm. I'm always trying to change myself, rebrand myself. I don't want to stand the same spot and be stuck at the same thing because it, for me, it gets boring. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like, especially with sex work, there's many ways you can go. So there's many ways for me to try. So I'm always trying the ones that I'm either interested or where I see the most money going. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, I'm thinking the most about money as well. Of course, I mean that's it's not, yeah, it's not all what it's about, but it's definitely you know a major part of it. Do you think yeah. you'll have to eventually move to kind of get to that goal? I feel like eventually I'll have to. Yeah, because I feel like for work now I'm always traveling, mainly in the UK, which is where I shoot the most or do collaborations the most. So let's say I go there a few times a year. I'm going actually in a few weeks again. So maybe I will move. But to be honest, I'm happy in Ireland. You yeah. know? My friends are here, family. I don't mind traveling. And I feel like for me, this is my safe space as well. I feel comfortable here. You know, so. Yeah. Is there is there much of an industry here in Dublin? Or I say Dublin, but in Ireland in general? A few people, for okay. sure. A few creators around the place. But uh, it's definitely not as big as other countries. Like yeah. if you're comparing to the UK, it's definitely not as big. No. Yeah, I can understand that. But it's it's there's so many, and we're held back by our Catholicism. So that might be. We, <laughs> we are just quite close-minded here as well. Yeah, that that is true. And and again, you know, living, I guess, where we're living, it's not. I suppose people probably give out to me for saying Dublin is a bit more open-minded, but it's probably not. I don't really know. I don't. I, I don't want to start a row between counties. Which, no. What you people say? Think 
people just think because it's a big city, people yeah. are going to be more accepting, but it's not true. Really? No, I feel like it's the same everywhere. Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. It's because people can hide better there, maybe. Yeah, that that is true. But I do like that about it. I like the, you know, you can be kind of anonymous walking around the place. I do, you know, it, oh, I- it's not that I don't like people stopping and saying hello to me in Athlone, but sometimes it's nice to just kind of wander around. Um, yeah. Before uh, I forget, actually, we should put this in. What's your uh, Instagram page if people want to follow you? My Instagram, it's bbbrashx. Yes. So B-I-B-I-B-R-A-T-X. Excellent. And and for all my social medias, pretty much. Glad I covered that bit. Very important. Um, so another thing, again, about this whole thing about a, people having to go at you or people being mean online, has it helped you develop a kind of a thick skin? Yes, for sure. Really? Yeah. Can you teach me how that uh, works? <laughs> I actually don't know. And it's funny because I feel like because of all that, I've created this barrier in me where people think sometimes I'm rude. Mm. As I'm going to be walking on this tree, I'm going to have my face on me. I'm going to have my resting bitch face. Let's, yeah. let's put it that way. So I feel like I give that image of a, not rude. I can't say rude, but a very like, you know, reserved person when I'm by myself. But that's yeah. because I don't want to open myself to everybody when I'm in public. Of course. I feel like I think that's a great, like, I think that's a great way to be, though, because you because, you know, with my interactions with you, I know that you're not that kind of person, you know, and it's like, that's OK to kind of walk down the street because I do with my um, I spoke to you before this about these being my comfort blanket. But, you know, even even having my earphones in going down the street, that's kind of a way of me um, kind of shutting it out with the world and not, not that anybody's being bad, but it's just that kind of insular. I'm just, uh, wandering about have, enjoying my day kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's just because people think you have to be accessible all day, but you don't need to. <laughs> you definitely don't need to. And the, we, cause we kind of are with regards to our phones all the time anyway, you know, but, but when we have our time kind of outside or you're going shopping, whatever you're doing, Mm-hmm. We're allowed to have our own little bit of space where we're, you know, enjoying the moment. And even if we, like, I might have my resting bitch face on during that time of day. And that's fine, too. Like, you know, that's that, all right. I think we all do. Yeah. Do you get to go? Actually, that was another thing. Do you get to go back to Brazil much? Or have you been back recently? Yeah, I think last time I was there was last year, beginning of last year. But I used to go a lot, once a year. And now, not so much. I think last time I was there was just surgery purposes. And obviously, I have my little nephew there as well, so I like to see him. But my brother always comes here, so every oh. Christ- most Christmas we have my brother here with my nephew and his wife, and you know, they are the ones that matter to me the most. So I'm happy to see them often. Um, what part of I never asked you at the start actually. What part of Brazil are you from? I'm actually from São Paulo, but countryside. So oh, nice. South, uh, so, yeah, south of São Paulo. That's a nice spot, I'd say. Yeah, it is. It's like it's a, it's like a country vibe. Well, it's a small city, but when I say small, it's probably Dublin. <laughs> yeah, I think I think every time every time we're uh, we hear from well, not every country, but especially countries as large as Brazil, it's always like it's, oh, it's a small place, and then it's like uh, it has about five million people there, and you're like, oh, more than <laughs> Ireland, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Yeah, um, but uh, so. Like, how would you, uh, when we've, all the stuff that we've talked about already, um, when you do get that bit of spare time, what do you like to do with it? I never like to go see my best friend, go for coffees, cinema, walk around, spend money, shop. Or, you know, have my mom, have a cup of coffee. But I am a very online person anyway. Mm-hmm. So I spend a lot of time online because I love to play video games. I love to watch videos on YouTube. And obviously with my phone, I'm, tre- I'm pretty much 24-7 on my phone. And it's not something that make- bothers me because it's something that I like as well. So Absolutely. Like, and I, Sometimes it comes across like I'm this grumpy old man about phones as well. And mm-hmm. I do have to spend a bit more time than I would would like on the phone. But at the same time, like I know that I have to do all of this work on the phone, you know, which 
before this started, like over three years ago now, it wasn't there. So I, you get used to it. If you have to do it, you have to do it and you get used to it. Um, you mentioned horror films. And every time someone mentions films, I have to kind of ask this annoying question. But do you have a favorite horror film? Yeah. What is it? My, uh, it's the most, I don't know how to say the words. I love The Exorcist, the first, the original. Mm-hmm. My favorite, for sure. Man, that's a very hard one to argue against. Because it's yeah. just, you know, and I don't know if you saw the trailer for the new the Exorcist that's coming out. Um, oh. it, it's not a remake, okay? Because um, the mother from the first one is in it, so it's like a like you know a sequel or down the road sequel. But I just, I just don't think they should need to do it. No, I say I know it's very cliche to say that your favorite movie is The Exorcist, but I feel like what I like the most about it is the simplicity mm-hmm. of making horror movie at that time. You know, and there's no such thing as computers back then to make uh, huge effects. Everything is handmade. It's makeup. It's acting, and it's actually really scary. I still get scared <laughs> by The Exorcist because it gives you that anxious feeling while you're watching it because it's so real. And, you know, it took them so long to shoot certain scenes. You know, they put work on it. And that's I feel like that's why I like about it the most. I think I agree with that. I think the, the practical effects. But the, the idea, like, when the, the Regan is walking down the stairs backwards. I mean, because yeah. if they did that now, you'd be like, well, that was, you know, uh, special effects and CGI yeah. and they did it. But then you're like, well, they got a contortionist or whatever they did to get it, you know, to get it yeah. done. And... It does make a hell of a difference. Like, my, like I think it's a brilliant film, and I like uh, my favorite film critic, Mark Kermode. That's his favorite film of all time as well. Like, and he's never shy about like coming out and saying it. I yeah. my favorite one is um, is Halloween. Oh yeah, because again, it is very very simple. It's not you know, it's a guy in a suit walking around like a boiler suit walking around with a mask on, and it's terrifying. It is terrifying. And people think it's cringe, you know, the old horror movies, but I love it. I love no, it. No, I can't. I can't do that. I, I think people who think the, the old ones cringe is that I just, I don't know. They get to kind of, I suppose they get swallowed up in the new stuff and it has to be as bloody as possible or it has to be as gory. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. yeah, it's like they've run out of um, ideas. So they kind of go back to, can we be the bloodiest or the the most jump scares or, you know, all that stuff rather than relying? Because I think the thing about The Exorcist is it's a brilliant story. Like the idea how this comes about and how it ends up in the town where it is and the house where it is. I think that's what kind of stands for it the most. Yeah. No, I think it's... Could, could I just, can you just turn your arm, this arm, just this way? Is that Edgar Allan Poe, is it? That's him. Oh God! I, I, I was looking at it there, and I was thinking, "Don't get it wrong," because you sound stupid if you get it wrong. You're like, "No, that's uh, William Shakespeare." I love him. So, what do you what do you like about Edgar Allan Poe? Oh, it's just everything. Creepy. I think his whole his whole weird personality, <laughs> everything he has to say about everything. I just love him. <laughs> I watched uh, uh This is so, it's just a coincidence, but a couple of days ago, I watched the film The Black Cat, and it was uh, yeah. it was. Uh, story by Edgar Allan Poe but I'd never seen it before and I never realised that it was Lugosi and um, uh, help me out Boris Karloff in the same film for the first time and I thought that's that must have been pretty good at the time for those two people those titans poem brilliant as well I feel like it's a different level of poem I find Mm. it's a different I first heard it, but you know what I first heard of uh, Edgar Allan Poe was in a, this, a Simpsons episode when they did the thing about the the raven, and uh, that was the first time I've ever heard of him. It's weird. Yeah, Simpsons. So every time people mention Simpsons to me, I'm like, never seen it. Yeah, and I don't watch it either, and that's funny. Like, my yeah. bro- my brothers loved it, and I just remember that Halloween episode. I was like, it, it kind of struck a chord, and then I realized a while later it was Edgar Allan Poe. The thing about The Simpsons is people will always quote The Simpsons to you. They'll like, be like, you know that bit in The Simpsons when Homer did this and I'm kind of going, oh, now I'll have to tell them I don't watch The Simpsons and then it'll be a big thing. And they get offended. They get offended, yeah, like they made it or something. It's like when you don't like Friends. People yeah. get offended. Yeah, I don't like Friends either, to be honest. Do you, do, actually, is there any crap <laughs> TV that you do like? I actually never watch TV. Yeah, you're right. Never. Like, 
I never even put on channels in here. I'm either always on YouTube or throw something on Netflix or any other movie website and watch it. I'm I'm big but into I, it. I must say, I love a little bit of the Kardashians. Do you? Yeah. That's what I tell it's oh, because but... I just love how stupid it is. Yeah, I was going to say that because I like I'm not that I know you that long. We know each other about forty five minutes, but yeah. it, you wouldn't strike me as the kind of person that would like the Kardashians. No, I wouldn't. They just annoy. They do they annoy you a bit though. Oh, yeah, they they annoy me a bit. I feel like I love watching rich people struggling with things that for us it's normal. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said so. Kim, Kim Kardashian said something recently about that. People just need to work harder. And it was kind of, there was a big controversy about that. But yeah, I, I listened to a, a podcast about, uh, a te- there was a 10 part podcast about reality TV. And I don't watch reality TV, but I thought it'd be interesting as the psychology of it. And there was a really interesting episode about the Kardashians. And, and I think it was the rich housewives of LA. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and how they're kind of not, they weren't having slagging them off or having a go at them or anything. They were just saying how, out of step you can be if you're in a certain bubble and you know if you were asked questions about modern just regular daily life you wouldn't have a clue how to answer them yeah it's not like us we just have to struggle along i watch a few stupid shows you know i mean i i think it's all right to watch some crap now and again like i'll watch some films when i'm putting them on i know they're not going to be good films you know Mm, and it's just a sense of like and even sometimes i put on you know, like we were saying about modern horror films, you put them on, you're like, I know this is going to be terrible. Yeah. But it also gives you the the time to, maybe you can have it on the background, maybe do something on the phone, on the laptop, whatever you're doing. I always leave in the background. Yeah. I, I put it on the laptop, I leave it running, you know, if it gets interesting, I watch it. <laughs> I have to ask you uh, about, um, you went to see Barbie, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, did you like it? It was Okay. I mean, I'm not going to say it was bad. I liked it, but I feel like it gets boring. Did you dress in pink for it? No, definitely not. <laughs> I'm only messed. I knew you did. Well, I saw a lot of them wearing pink and I was like, you know, whatever people want to do. <laughs> I, I think, but that, I, I, I do think that that's exactly the way we should see it. I think people are, like, imagine being so offended by the idea of people going to the cinema dressed in pink. Like, who cares? Like, why does, yeah. you, it's just, and, and, I think we're always on that, like, and we talked about it already, but like when people are angry about certain things and they can be angry about big topics, small topics, but if you're angry all the time, I mean, then you need to have a chat with somebody, you know, and that, that idea of bringing your, this kind of, because I heard people giving out, people who are going to see Oppenheimer were giving out about people going to see Barbie dressed in pink. And I think like, well, just go see Oppenheimer, be quiet. Like it doesn't. Go and sit for three hours and watch this. Fine. You know. Yeah. Nobody's about it. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see it, but there's no chance I'm sitting in a cinema for three hours watching. Yeah, that's my problem. I love to see it, but three hours long for me sitting in a chair inside a cinema. No. No. I'd rather for it to come out. I put on my laptop, sit on my bed. That's it. And I, I think I kind of, I've never been, I've mentioned this a number of times in the podcast. I love films, but I'm not a big fan of the cinema because of that kind of restriction, you know, no. you're in. It's because I don't like people in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, that's I, me as well. I had a cinema room for myself. I'd love it. Oh, that's the dream. Cinema because of people. They're just loud and obnoxious and I get so annoyed. I am. Um, I used to go at like two o'clock and I used to go maybe when the film was out four or five weeks. And I would just sit there by myself in the screen and, and it was great. you know. Or even if it was like five or six other people. But there's no way because, you know, people in, in the gym will try and organize. They tried to organize something for Oppenheimer, actually, like the first night. And I was like, there's no way I'm going on the first night. I know. That's a nightmare. It's like no. people chew into that. I have that. What I can never remember misophony or something like that. But it's it's the mm. annoyance of someone chewing or. Yeah, their lips yeah. and making noise, whatever. So I do have that. So if someone is, or at least I think I do, but if someone's behind me with popcorn and stuff, it drives me mad. So I, I can't do it. So when I'm in my, my own room, stick it on the TV and just yeah, what's better? Oh, so much better. Much better. I'm glad someone agrees with me. In a mum, but nothing beats watching a movie in your bed or in your couch. I agree, hundred percent. I just can't, I can't drag myself to the cinemas anymore. And look. 
you know, I, I, I could hardly do it when I was 20, so I'm definitely not going to do it now. Yeah, you know. no, I was never, I'm a movie person, but I was never a cinema person, if you know what I mean. Yeah, same, it's the same. To me. Unless it's a movie that I'm expecting so much to watch, then I will go and watch it. But I always wait for a few weeks mm. and then I watch it. So a bit, uh, not hugely impressed by Barbie, but worth the watch. It's worth the watch. I feel like it's, it's, it's cute. It's a cute movie. Yeah. It's a lot of activism on it. So yeah. it's a, a quite feminism based kind of movie, which is nice to see because it's not a silly feminism. Mm-hmm. They make a joke out of it, but with sense, which I like that. But at the same time, it kind of tires me out to watch movies that's full of activism on it because I just want to watch a movie to have fun. I don't want to be thinking about politics and all this shit in movies. I just want to have a laugh, I guess. And I think that's... Well, it's a really tight... It's a real tightrope, that, isn't it? Like, trying to make a film about Barbie and have activism in. But, like, when I heard that Greta Gerwig was part of it and directing it, writing it, like, I kind of knew I'd I'd like it for that. But I didn't know... It's not completely silly. Yeah, exactly. Yes, so it's not completely, but she ha- she had to kind of find a balance between the two, which is very yeah. difficult. Um, and I I was thinking, is there going to be enough of that for me? Or you know, so I am definitely going to watch it obviously when it comes out, but not in the cinema. Um, yeah. So, uh, Bianca, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. No, you're more than welcome. Listen, don't go anywhere for a minute. I'll just close this out. Uh, we'll take a quick photo and we'll go on our way. Is that all right? Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, I also want to thank John. Uh, he's back now from his wedding in in Vegas. Uh, so hopefully he will be working on this week because I messed up last week's YouTube video. Sorry about that. I was meant to mention earlier on. Uh, so John will get that sorted this week. Um, thanks to my mom, dad, granddad. Always thank them. Jer Calvin. Subscribe to our YouTube if you would or on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Obviously, um, subscribe to uh, Bianca as well. Uh, we're also on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, all the other ones. Um, and once again, Bianca, thank you so much. Thanks so much. It was good um, to be. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, everybody else, see you next week. Bye.